Welcome to the Off the Charts Football Podcast. I'm Matt Maticharian, former NFL scout and now of Sports Info Solutions, joined by Aaron Schatz, the godfather of football analytics and the founder of Football Outsiders. As always, our producer, Justin Stein, is with us on the controls. And today we have a very special guest, Rivers McCown, a frequent Football Outsiders contributor and the man behind RiversMcCown.com, where you can read all kinds of free content, uh, including about his beloved Houston Texans and Rivers. Uh, welcome on to the show. We've got to talk about it right off the top. Uh, Bill O'Brien owes Texans fans an explanation. You wrote this piece on RiversMcCown.com and you did not pull any punches. Um, wh- why don't you start off with what, what's the general premise of the article in case the, the title doesn't say enough? Uh, sure. Well, generally speaking, uh, the Texans have been very quiet ever since the DeAndre Hopkins trade happened. They haven't really had a statement come out. The only person who has actually talked that's been on the team has been Randall Cobb, who just joined it like three days ago. And it's one of those things where Texans fans are like, you know, in a state of shock that this happened. They need somebody to talk them down off a ledge. And as this is happening, Bill O'Brien is nowhere to be found. The only man in power can't even be bothered to like put out a statement. The only thing that we've seen that could even possibly be from the Texans is this weird little Texans players must be tough, smart, tough, and dependable, like press release that's like three sentences long. It's just been like a real trying time to be a Texans fan right now. Yeah, I mean, between having Randall Cobb give a statement and then uh, I, I, I read the, the mumbo jumbo that you pointed out in the article, like whatever that sort of statement was, um, it just seems like, um, you know, we've talked about this before. Sometimes there are things that we don't know because, you know, like Aaron says, it's football outsiders for a reason. There's things that we're not privy to that sometimes can help explain away things. And I don't be in with teams that I've seen situations like that where what's going on inside the building is a little bit different. It's really, really hard to imagine a situation where there's some explanation for this that makes sense beyond this is an ego battle, right? This was Bill O'Brien realized that he wanted this player off his team. He wasn't going to pay him and he took a crappy deal to get rid of him. I'll, I'll point out that there's two parts to it too, right? Which is, first of all, there's what's the reason for getting rid of the Andre Hopkins? But second of all, there's what's the reason for getting David Johnson as the thing you got in return? And even if there is some sort of personality conflict reason that Hopkins, where Hopkins is a diva, and even if you can come up with an explanation for that half of the trade, that doesn't explain the other half. Bill O'Brien has talked about talk of the combine. He did like a long, uh, I want to say, 20-minute interview with the people in charge there. Uh, which is uh, John Harris, uh, Mark Vandermeer, the people who work for the Texans website. And they kind of soft-pedaled a lot, but basically what it comes down to is Bill O'Brien is a personality guy. I mean, if he likes your personality, if he likes your the, the way that you act, that is almost as important to him as talent. And David Johnson, apparently they had a great interview at the Combine when he was coming out. <laughs> that was a big thing for him. It really was. So, I mean, that, that's part of it. And then with- well, how's he going to draft this year? All he's got to go off of is, uh, you know, the football that people played. If he doesn't have the, all his 30 interviews, how is he going to possibly fall in love with a player? Like, it just seems crazy. Let me go on, on that. We actually had a story come out where they were talking about why they wanted to draft Titus Howard in the first round. And he basically said that him and Tim Kelly, who is 
the Texans offensive coordinator, got Titus Howard in a room. And they thought when they were coaching up Titus Howard in this hotel room that he was going to put Tim Kelly through a bay window. That is the correct <laughs> quote there. And so he was like, man, that's, a, that's Texas material right there. And just, it's just like, <laughs> what do you well, even you do, do with that? you want offensive linemen to have a nasty streak, that is. <laughs> putting your coach through a bay window is a nasty streak. There's no question about it. It does tie into a, a larger, you know, kind of non-Texan storyline this offseason where, as a, you know, I've been on different radio shows around the country promoting the football rookie handbook. Everybody wants to ask me about, you know, the prospects at whatever position of need that they have. And I tell them I don't believe in need-based drafting, basically. But um, one thing that people really have been curious about is without pro days, how much of an impact it'll have. And from my perspective, I think that, okay, we lose some numbers on uh, not the combine people, obviously. You lose some some pro day testing numbers on the other guys. That kind of hurts a little bit. But then again, hopefully you scouted those guys off the film anyway, and you're not going to miss on somebody that ran 4-4 but couldn't play football at all, and you already knew that. So I don't worry about that. The medical rechecks, I think, is real, and that adds ambiguity to everything for sure. Uh, but aside from that, like – maybe not having all of these interviews and all of these additional layers and all the stuff that we do during April every year during a normal draft cycle, maybe it helps a little bit to make it so that, you know, the scouting director can say to Bill O'Brien, I'm sorry, you couldn't do your interviews. Here's who we think the best players are. I just want to say, I think it's adorable that you think Bill O'Brien will listen to a scouting director. I think it's, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that Bill O'Brien is on Skype right now with 20 different prospects and just, you know, giving them one generic question to answer and then marking him off as what's the guy like it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I forgot about it. Bill O'Brien has Zoom also, so I guess uh, it's a level playing field. <laughs> what, are, what are the rules? I, I, I'm not sure what the rules are this year as far as like, are you? is there a limit to the number of prospects that teams can contact on the phone? Yeah, I read, it. I read what it is. I think you can contact each player up to like three times per week for up to an hour each time. It was something along those lines is what I read. The other thing also about the Texans offseason is, you know, not to make things even more dismal for Rivers, but some of their signings are questioned. Like, for example, that they signed Eric Murray for something like $11 million over two years. That is a lot of money for a guy who's essentially your th- third safety he's not a starter I don't think that they play a base nickel with three safeties so that's a lot of money for a guy who's a really like just a complimentary player it was higher than that it was like 20 million (laughs) you know what was the were we all so excited about Kiki QT and he was supposed to be such a big deal and then they basically signed Randall Cobb to do his job because QT just never became a thing Oh, let's talk about Kiki QT. That guy is in the doghouse so hard. Um, I guess looking at you know what he put out there on the on on the, on the field, there were times when he was running routes to the same area as other receivers, and I think that kind of put him in a bad place. But that's not really an excuse in and of itself. And what I've heard from Texas coaches, especially wide receivers coach John uh, Perry, is is kind of well, you know. Uh, he doesn't practice that well. And uh, if he doesn't practice that well, well, I mean, I, I can't really play him. And that kind of goes back to part of why DeAndre Hopkins was traded because, well, Hopkins isn't practicing. And if he's not practicing, then, I mean, he loses a lot of value in Bill O'Brien's eyes. I was going to say, there's a big difference between young, a 2018 fourth round pick who has not established himself, can't practice well, and 
one of the top five receivers in the game is not practicing, but we kind of probably know what he gives us. You would think so. You would hope that a coach would operate that way, wouldn't you? The funny thing for me is I think when you really look at it, the guy that I worry about not being on the field is the guy that's not on the field during the game sometimes, and that's Fuller. He's the guy that that seems to really have been, and now all of a sudden with his constant health question marks, it's like, what do you really, are you relying on Randall Cobb as your number one now? Uh, So it's very confusing to me that. No, I mean, Fuller is the number one when he's healthy and when he's not, it's Kenny Stills. You know, Cobb is the slot guy, but yeah, when Fuller's not, if Fuller's not healthy, then they're DeAndre Carter or somebody that they draft this year is now the outside receiver. I have seen DeAndre Carter run uh, post drafts where he actually lets the ball knock him over as he <laughs> So I'm going to tell you, I'm not wild about that plan. It doesn't seem like it has a high success rate, but the Texans love DeAndre Carter, even though he fumbled that punt away, that kick away in the uh, uh, divisional round that pretty much was the turning point of the entire game. But he practiced well. He did. He did. He, he came back <laughs> every day, and he said uh, every time he uh, drops a ball, he goes up to Bill O'Brien and says, thank you, sir, may I have another. Yeah, it's tough. Okay, so let's flip this the other way around, and let's say I want to imagine your real horror scenario because I know you're rooting for the Texans, obviously. You want them to do well. But sometimes when you get into one of these situations where the, be- the team is behaving so oddly and, and you feel the, the urge to be so critical of, of the head coach, general manager, whatever we want to call him. Um, Imagine the horror scenario where this year actually goes well for the Texans and they kind of like make the playoffs and, you know, lose in the first round or whatever. Texans year, like all the other Texans year where they go, but do just well enough to lose in the first round. Right. And they, but they do well enough to keep Bill O'Brien around. What does that look like? Is what I'm trying to think. Like, what's the scenario? Like, is it David Johnson having 2,000 all-purpose yards? Uh, is it Kenny Stills? Like, uh, is that, I'm trying to picture what this team looks like if they were to do well. And I'm not even really sure. Is it just the Deshaun Watson show? Um, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, I think it's got to be a transcendent performance by Watson. And, uh, you know, the AFC South has not had the best offseason. Uh, I mean, I think the Colts will get a little bit better just on the pure numbers. Uh, the Titans, I mean, I don't know how that's going to regress or not, but definitely they still have a lot of talent. Uh, the Jaguars look to be, you know, tearing down to the studs, so that'll help a lot. Uh, then you look at, you know, adding the extra playoff team. Like, I don't think it's at all absurd to think the Texans are going to make the playoffs. It's more just how that's going to look, and I think you kind of start with, with, uh, with Watson having a big season. Yeah, they still have Watson, and they still have a good number of defensive pieces, right? They still have J.J. Watt, and they still have Whitney Merciless, and they have this kind of interesting (laughs) secondary that's put together with all of everybody else's cast-offs, right? Like, they, their secondary is almost entirely made up of free agents and players picked up who were cut by other teams or whatever. There's they traded for for Bradley. Did they trade for or sign Bradley Roby? They signed him to a one year prove it thing last offseason, Yeah, and then Vernon Hargraves <clears throat> and then Gary and Conley, who got cut by the Raiders. Vernon Hargrave got cut by the Bucks, and uh, Philip Gaines got signed there. So it's like a lot of guys. And then at safety, there's Deshaun Gibson, who came over from Jacksonville, and Eric Murray. So it's a lot of guys who came from other teams. There's not a lot of draft picks in their secondary. Gary and Conley actually cost a third-round pick, yeah. 
Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's another His one. His numbers are up and down. Like every other cornerback's charting numbers are up and down. But, I mean, they were up last uh, – sorry, they were up two years ago, and then last year they were down before he got traded to Houston. Yeah, that was another, that was another uh, Bill O'Brien trade special right there. Uh, Hargraves got picked up in, like, like I think at the end of November or so and, and immediately got pushed into playing. Uh, Lonnie Johnson is the one draft pick there, the second rounder from last year. Uh, he was pretty raw. To be fair, he got put in some tough assignments last year, especially against the Chiefs, where kind of asked to defend uh, Travis Kelsey on the spot, and that did not go well. But uh, I, I think they want him to be the outside corner long term, and I don't know if that's going to work or not. We're, we're kind of a wait-and-see mode there. That's interesting to put your corner on Kelsey when you're a team that pays a lot for your safety. Or not, not necessarily pays a lot, but uses a lot of capital. Pays a lot to Gibson, and then use the other. that's the other guy who's a draft pick is Justin Reed, Eric Reed's brother. Well, Justin Reed played last year uh, with a shoulder impediment, so he was hurt a lot of it, uh, not 100%. And then Deshaun Gibson actually – Hilariously, while we're talking about Bill O'Brien's arrogance, uh, Deshaun Gibson played in Week 17's meaningless game, got hurt, and did not play in the playoffs at all. Uh, he had a good week of practice leading up to the game, though. So I mean, you can't. <laughs> this is where you he gave can't a great see interview. Shaking my head because this is not a video cast. Sports Info Solutions brings you the second annual edition of the SIS Football Rookie Handbook with scouting reports and statistical breakdowns on over 280 college football players who are likely to be drafted or signed as rookie free agents in 2020. New features this year include unique and informative NFL team pages, research deep dives by the SIS R&D team, and for the first time ever, the NCAA version of the SIS flagship football statistic, Total Points. At Sports Info Solutions, we collect and analyze college football players like it has never been done before. Whether you're a film junkie, an aspiring analyst, or just looking for the most comprehensive information on what your NFL team's rookies did while they were playing college football, this book has what you are looking for and more. Michael Lombardi, former NFL general manager and three-time Super Bowl winner, said, This book is the closest fans will get to reading real NFL scouts reports. Because it is. Detailed reporting with a complete understanding of what it takes to play in the NFL. Well done. John Park, the manager of research and strategy for the Indianapolis Colts, said, Scouts matter because not everything that counts can be counted. And relevant data matters since not everything that can be counted counts. With that said, SIS creates relevant football data that matters. Please check out the SIS Football Rookie Handbook. It is available wherever you get books. You can get it on acta.com, A-C-T-A.com. You can get it on amazon.com, or you can find it at Barnes & Noble. That's the SIS Football Rookie Handbook, comprehensive scouting and analytics guide, all of the 2020 NFL draft prospects, brought to you by Sports Info Solutions. Um, all right, let's let's. Uh, I wanted to circle back on some other things. You mentioned Kenny Stills kind of potentially stepping into a, a greater role, which uh, maybe part of the DeAndre Hopkins trade is actually doubling down on the Laramie Tunsil Kenny Stills move. In that we brought this guy in here, and now we've got to have a role for him going forward. Um, on that Laramie Tunsil subject, there was a lot of criticism at the time that they traded for him without deciding the contract, giving away all kinds of draft capital in the process. I, I think I read that they're in those negotiations now. Do you have any sort of anticipation what that deal is going to look like? 
So, okay, from what I'm hearing, basically, uh, Tunsil, of course, changed agencies at the beginning of the offseason. Um, he's, so he's had a labor problem to deal with, so that negotiation has been slow to start. Uh, I think that Tunsil's probably looking to get around $20 million a season, and I think the highest right now is Lane Johnson. I think it's 16.5. So he's asking for, for kind of the record mark. The Texans came in a little bit low on that. They were looking at like 17 and I think Bill O'Brien has had a real problem actually paying uh, somebody top of the line money. So this is kind of a situation to watch because <laughs> Tunsil has all the leverage in the world right now. If you don't sign him, then you have given away almost two drafts for nothing. So this is, it's a nervous time to be a fan. <laughs> I will say at least as far as the other part of that trade, just to come in on Kenny Stills, Stills has a pretty good record as far as advanced stats go. So, I mean, I think making him a starting receiver is not, that's not a bad move. Getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins to do it is a bad move. But Stills was actually fifth in receiving DVOA last year. He was just over the line to be ranked. So obviously small sample size caveat, but he's a pretty good player. Oh yeah. Stills has been a good player for a long time. Um, one of my favorites on the team for sure. I think that uh, he runs what Bill O'Brien likes the most, which is that kind of uh, a Yankee concept. I think he runs it really well. I think that kind of played into why they wanted him as badly as they did. It's one of those things though, where, you know, objectively, you can say by the numbers, yeah, Kenny Stills' looks really good. But it's also one of those things where if he became the number one option, those numbers probably going to come down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I think you're talking about Kenny Stills. I think this is what Steve Kerr is in basketball relative to an Allen Iverson. I think that Kenny Stills can be efficient in a limited role. I do not think he can carry your offense as the number one guy or even really the number two guy. I, I don't really think he's, a, he's an ideal starter in the NFL. So I think it's, a, it's one of those usage versus efficiency things with him, uh, really, until proven otherwise. Yes, he'd be a great number three guy if your top two guys were Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins. And you got I mean, you've got to be concerned even when Fuller was injured last year and it was, if it was Hopkins and Stills. That wasn't like, you know, how many, how many starts? Five starts for Hopkins last, for Stills last year? It's not like in those five starts. The efficiency was good. Again, you know, he's averaged 14 yards of reception throughout his career. But how often are you really going to throw Kenny, Kenny Stills the ball? Right. I don't have these numbers in front of me, but we did something for our playoff preview where we kind of looked at the effect of just taking Fuller off the field entirely. And I think it, it's not only about uh, how good Fuller is, it's also about how just having him healthy makes Bill O'Brien more likely to call longer pass plays and, and mm -hmm. longer developing pass plays. And that's kind of where it's not even about the talent anymore. It's about the mentality. Right. Like you could call those plays without him in the game. Um, but uh, if you're afraid of calling those plays without him in the game, then you're doing yourself a disservice. Right. And then you've got, you also got to weigh that against Deshaun Watson, uh, his, uh, his sack bugaboo. And I think a lot of that has actually fallen on Bill O'Brien that hasn't really been talked about uh, very, very widely. Uh, I think that's kind of an under the radar thing, but uh Whenever Bill O'Brien puts these long developing routes like the Yankee concept out there, uh, runs play action, he's often running only two receivers the entire time. So it's, it's, it's a lot harder for Watson to, to bail out of those plays. It's tough. My, my, fear, uh, my fear on your behalf is that um, Deshaun Watson is being done to Bill O'Brien what was done to Andrew Luck by Ryan Gregson. 
And that would be a really disappointing way for this all to go down with Deshaun Watson. Now, what happens when they need to sign Watson to an extension after this year? Because this will be his, uh, this will be his fourth season. So they'll, they'll, they'll get the fifth-year option on him for 2021, but then you've got to sign him to an extension. Yeah, everything I've read on that seems to be saying that uh, the Texans are waiting for Patrick Mahomes to, uh, to, to sign up first and then kind of base their negotiation strategy a little bit lower than that, which, you know, okay, I get it. It makes sense. Um, but at the same time, you would love to at least sign Watson to show the fans that this is your guy for the long, for the long term, and uh, we don't really care that much about, about the money. Are you worried about Watson's uh, relationship with O'Brien at this point? Uh, the last public things we've had on, on that were at the end of the playoff game, uh, kind of kind of coming out of that, and uh, Watson said publicly, "You know, that's my guy." And we're, I think, I actually think that that getting Watson to be upset about Bill O'Brien is a big step for the Texans because if he can go along with it, he has more power in the organization than anybody right now, and. You know, it's Bill O'Brien than Watson, and if Watson can actually convince ownership to be like, you know, this this head coach who's traded away all the good players, not a fan of that. Uh, maybe there's a chance that Bill O'Brien gets canned before 2021. And there you go. You said we couldn't end on an optimistic note, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> this is dismal. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is just dismal. <laughs> It's not a depressing time in any other way uh, these days, so uh, it's, it's nothing to worry about. That is some good discussion of the Texans. Anything else you guys wanted to touch on before we get out of here? I mean, it's it's interesting because it's bad, but it's bad in such a mediocre way because of the fact that this is a team that does keep making the playoffs, but they keep just sneaking in. They keep being like a fourth seed. They're they're caught in that sort of middle ground that I know like NBA people hate that 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 like feeling of being like nine and seven and ten and six every year, which is better than being five and eleven every year, but gets to feel like you're just going through the motions over and over again. It start it's going to start feeling like Cincinnati Bengals. It, I mean, it feels like you're looking at number four, and he's going to win a certain number of games on his own for you. And aside from that, you're not really doing much to add to it. Um, and I hate to say that. Uh, Rivers, I got to tell you one story before we get out of here. Um, back when I was scouting, I think it was when I was with the Browns, Tom Savage was coming out. Um, and I was in pit, and I, I, I gave him a priority free agent grade. I was not a Tom Savage fan. Um, you know, he got ran out of Rutgers, like, you know, because they have such great quarterbacks there. Um, but uh, while he was on his third college team and not really being great there, uh, I went into the pro day and of course, you know, Aaron Donald's coming out and I spent some time with Aaron Donald that day, but Bill O'Brien went into the room with Tom Savage for two hours. And I was like, man, I can't, what is he doing? And like, I, I couldn't figure it. And finally, so I went back and I, I studied all the film over again and I, I stuck to my guns on my grades there. Um, but sure enough, I was not surprised when, um, he ended up showing more interest in Tom Savage over the years. And uh, going back to what you were saying before, that must have been a hell of a two-hour interview because <laughs> the tape that Tom Savage has put out there. Uh, that, that was the year where uh, the Patriots jumped in front of the Texans and got Jimmy Garoppolo, who I think was – who everybody thought Bill Ryan was really in love with that year. And, and then we come out of that draft with the guy who was sacked, I think, 60 times at Pitt 
in his last season. And we were stunned, stunned to find out that when he dropped back in an NFL pocket, he was very slow processing. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> He's got to be good in the meeting room, though. I mean, <laughs> it's how you perform in practice. Yep. That's all that matters to Bill. <laughs> All right. On that note, we'll get out of here. Thank you to all of the listeners. Um, as a reminder, Sports Info Solutions is recruiting 2020 football video scouts. We're hoping that the season will go on without a hitch. Um, and if you're interested in applying, you can head to the careers section of our website at sportsinfosolutions.com. That's 2020 NFL and college football season video scouts. Uh, we also have the 2020 SIS Football Rookie Handbook, our comprehensive scouting and analytics guide. It's available on actasports.com and on Amazon. And we are keeping this promotion alive for a free copy. Just send an email to offthecharts at sportsinfosolutions.com. We had a few people take us up on this last week, and it felt great to share the books and see people making donations. So for a free copy, email offthecharts at sportsinfosolutions.com with the proof of a contribution to any COVID-19 related relief fund and that could literally mean anything uh, people of all kinds need help right now in a lot of different ways and if you're trying to help people we just want to try to help encourage that so uh, again it's off the charts at sportsinfosolutions.com just send that proof of contribution for my co-host aaron Schatz, our guest rivers mccown and our producer justin stein i'm matt manicharian and thank you for joining us for the latest episode of the off the charts football podcast 